the Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 410, Mr. Summit. Santa Anita, huzzah! Hey, baby, we're back. Uh, it's exciting. Santa Anita is back, and not only that, uh, downhill turf course racing is back. Two of the five races we're covering, Mike, we're going down the hill. This is an exciting sequence here. Don't say I never did anything for you, Magic. Here we are. <laughs> Life is good. Running over at Aqueduct, and here we are in California going down the hill, baby. It's going to be exciting. Thanks so much for joining Mike and I. Uh, you know, sorry if I if I sound a little off. If you missed the message that Mike and I missed the Monday show because Mike was evacuating Florida and I unfortunately brought back COVID from my Michigan trip. So uh, coming out of it feeling okay, but my, I'm a little froggy. I'm hearing it just now as I speak. But uh, listen, it's it. I, I, I fight through anything, COVID or anything, Mike, to talk about Santa Anita. Uh, this is a pick five that uh, you know. There's you could have a couple of favorites win. This could still pay really well. Yeah, I think this is actually a pretty tough sequence. Uh, a really good sequence from Santa Anita. You got 10 horses in a couple of these races. Interesting stakes races. I don't see every, any heavy favorites. I think the favorite in the first race is awful. Can't wait to talk about that one for sure. Um, it's just it's a fun little sequence. A tough one to get really cheap on. These are tickets that we're putting out are more expensive than what we generally have. Uh, but I think this is a sequence that's worth taking a shot because it's tough to find a single in here unless you really like you know, someone like Country Grammar or something like that. Dr. Tang says, "Glad to see both of us alive and well." Yeah, thanks. He's been he's been well aware of both of our uh, our adventures uh, in the last week or so here. Hey, by the way, congratulations to I wanted to both you and Aaron. Did both of you hit the pick five from Parks last weekend? No, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking Did about. Aaron, no. Did Aaron? Neither of you hit it. I I didn't mean to be a jerk. I really thought Aaron hit it. I think we missed one. I can't remember which ways we missed. I'm pretty sure we went four out of five. Damn. Okay. I will. I should have looked at the ticket, double checked the tickets before I changed everything here. Um, <laughs> glad to see <laughs> Car Amrod says, uh, glad to see Mike is safe and you're on Men Magic. 90 minutes of content today should make up for it. Uh, if you want 90 minutes, that was the show that was on earlier today. Go back and check out Blinkers Off. Wow. You know, he's count, you guys count on Jared for a good solid 90 minutes of content once I, a week. I'm, I've already been on for 20 minutes today with Dude to Bet Daily. I'll be on for another 20 minutes with the halftime show on tonight during the th football game. So, uh, you'll get your 90-minute fill in me, even if we only go 60 minutes here. Uh, we've got Santa Anita's late pick five on Saturday, October 1st. We've got four stakes, three graded, including the awesome again, which is a win and you're in for the classic if it matters, I guess. Here, here's a here's a feast paid birth to go finish second to flight line. All right, let's get into it, buddy. Riders up. I have had so much Gatorade in the last week. I'm so sick of Gatorade. Like I cannot, I cannot wait to be done with Gatorade. But standing to late pick five, October first, race six is going to kick this off. Mike, the Grade Two Sandia Sprint Championship stakes for seven males, including a pair of three-year-olds. Number two, Forbidden Kingdom. Number six, Kid Corleone. Forbidden Kingdom is the nine to five morning line favorite here. He is not on your ticket. No, no, I, I don't. I don't see why this horse should be nine to five. I don't see why this horse should be four yeah, to one. No. To be honest. Uh, I, this is just one of those spots where I have no interest in the favorite. And if you look, if you look back at Forbidden, Forbidden Kingdom's races, what really put him on the map was a San Vicente when he blows away this field. But that field had Pinehurst and McLaren Vale, who were not good horses. He didn't really beat that much. And then he moves forward and goes into San Felipe and works, oh, it was incredible. He beat Doppelganger. 
He didn't beat that. Like, and now then he goes and faces real horses and gets absolutely roasted. And that was the real horses in the three-year-old crop. Now we're facing some better, older sprinters here on the return. I like, I just cannot lay this type of price on this horse. If you if you like ten to one, I'd be interested in Forbidden Kingdom. But at nine to five, I think it's crazy talk. Yeah, I see in the morning lines now as we're doing the show. Uh, I didn't see it when I handicapped. I don't like nine to five on him. That's for sure. Um, uh, listen, he and Kid Corleone, they're both on my ticket, so I'll at least say that part. But they both. One reason I can tell you why the, their morning lines are what they are. They both have the co-highest buyers of anyone in this field in 2022, which is a 98. Uh, Forbidden Kingdom did it earlier. That was a San Vicente, I think, and then uh, Kid Corleone did it at, at Del Mar. So they both have. Whoops. They both have. You know, shown that they're fast. I used both of them because I really saw this almost as a two-horse race where I expect the two and six to go early. They seem like the two speed. And I think off the turn at the quarter pull, I think they're going to separate from everybody. It's going to come down to a duel, and it's going to end up being which of those two ends up holding on. But you're looking at this like it's going to be more of a pace collapse. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think this is going to be a pretty quick pace up front. I think that the six and the two are both going to absolutely go. Seven total Fino is going to sit right outside of them and get the perfect trip right in between behind those two. I think the seven goes right on by top of the lane. And then it's a question of whether or not the seven can hold off these other horses. Um, and, and to me, it's a great shot at taking a little bit of a price here if we can get a little bit of a collapse. I mean, first off, CZ Rockets, like the class of this field, and is almost taking a class drop here with that Laurel, out of Laurel River and American Theorems, uh, Pat O'Brien, the grade two at Del Mar, getting back to six furlongs, which is a distance he's four for 12 at. I, I think I agree with you on the, it could be a two horse race, but I think the two horses would be the one and the seven, not the two and the six that are the, the main competition here. Uh, I will never use CZ Rocket uh, in a race where he can't use Lasix. Peter Miller said last year, if you remember, he's like, well, uh, after he almost won the Bing Crosby, he's like, yeah, this horse needs Lasix. And then you look at his performances, and when he doesn't get Lasix, he's not competitive in the stakes races. Uh, he is very classy. It's just, a, for me, it's simply a matter of if he can run on Lasix, I'll consider him. But in a spot like this, I just can't trust him. Um, we did both use a seven. You want to talk about him a little? I mean, he's 10 for 15 lifetime. We don't usually get horses like that, uh, that we can talk about a uh, seven for nine on the dirt, or I guess nine for 11. Um, you know, you got to remember too, this horse being a South American is Chilean bred. He's just now turning five. Like he was born six months later than a lot of the horses that, uh, he's going to be facing. So he is still kind of rounding into form. Uh, that race, Mike, I don't know if you looked at who, what's happened since then. You had the third-place winner, Sunrise Journey, get a 90 buyer for winning a race next out. The sixth-place horse won next out, got a 93 buyer. Seventh-place one got an 82 buyer. There's horses coming out of this optional claimer, like winning left, right, and center all over the place. I, I mean, I, it's a little concerning to me that Barrios is on the uh, the stablemate, which I didn't use. Reesbley is a good uh, replacement for him here, but it's so crazy that that race has had so many next out winners. It's a very impressive race too. I mean, twenty one forty four sits right to the outside, able to to take over professionally down the lane. You mentioned this horse loves to win ten of fifteen. Look, I'm more concerned when these Chilean breads come over to bet them in the first start than I am their second after they've won. Because I, I like you need to make sure that they can compete at this level in the U.S. in North America before you get really excited about him. Well, look, he, he competed and he looked awesome doing it. And so I, I like the seven quite a bit. Like I said, I think he trips out. I'm going to use the five Super Ocho. One of the main reasons is Barrios is aboard, and the fact that this is the stablemate to the seven who I really like. And you go back and you know who rode this horse when it went five and a half furlongs at Mountaineer. Our good old friend Barrios Hector. Like, so if, if if Hector decided to stay on this horse and, and he really picked this horse over the seven, I think the seven's awfully good. I don't see how you don't use the five sitting on the board at 10 to one, especially coming out of the green flash. 
where he was facing Lieutenant Dan. We'll talk about Laneway. We'll talk about Courthard a little bit later. Very good turf sprinters in California. Uh, this is this is probably a weaker field than what he is coming out of. And I thought actually ran pretty well in that race and now gets Barrios back aboard. To me, this is a sneaky 10 to one shot that makes a ton of sense at four. I uh, man, I, I I wanted to use this horse, and if there's a scratch, this is probably who comes in there. Uh, to me, it just seems like this horse is better on turf. And I would sit here and think, well, why isn't this horse in the turf race? It's because the horse that Hector Barrios rode in the Green Flash finished fourth, missed second by a head and a half length is a horse that I'm using, and I'm guessing you too in the next race. So I think Amador Sanchez was like, I need to keep him in a race where I know he's going to win, and let's see what Super Ocho maybe does over here um you're right getting a great price on if he can replicate that effort from mountaineer here he's going to be interesting um did we miss anyone else from you i can talk about kid corleone really quick i haven't really mentioned him uh it, it's a horse first of all if you follow the racing dude's triple crown fantasy like aaron drafted this horse didn't quite work out for him because he didn't come back as a three-year-old until july but when he did it's a field of 12 horses 11 of them were at least four years old he is the only three-year-old in that race that's where he comes back for his first race after a maiden win at Del Mar. Doug O'Neill throws him in there, dusts them like they're a cornfield in Iowa, destroys them, steps up to a harder spot, doesn't get quite the easy lead that uh, he had gotten in before, but he still has a good effort. And now we're third off the form cycle, third time uh, in his start later in his three-year-old season. Those are angles that you like. Doug O'Neill is not an idiot. He, he's really good at putting horses in a spot like this where you're like, well, I don't know. It's a three-year-old first-time stakes in this spot. This is not a very difficult renewal of this race, first of all. I think Kid Corleone fits here. And again, you and I are seeing this very differently. I think quarter pull, two and the six take off, and the seven's chasing. You think two and the six are dropping anchor, and here comes the seven. So it's just kind of – we're seeing this very differently. Yeah, I mean, the, the, to me, the six is more intriguing than the two is. I'll give you that. Um, I, I think the two, like I said, is just way underpriced for, for what we've seen this horse do, especially first time facing olders in a spot where we're sprinting six furlongs, which I like – we sure this horse wants to sprint six furlongs? Uh, so there's a lot of question marks with the two for me going, especially at that price. The six, I I can see your case. Um, I'm afraid you're going to get the same setup as last time. And he proved he could not go that fast when dueling on the lead. And I, I you know, yes, the two is going to go. The five could go. The seven could go. There are other sneaky speeds in here that I think have the ability to go to the front if they want to. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if there's three horses that are up front. And if that happens, all of a sudden the collapse is definitely in play. And right now the three is on my ticket. I'm kind of going back and forth here on how be it. It's, it's the collapse horse, right? It's completely the collapse <laughs> horse. I'm playing this horse because I think the race could fall apart. And if it does, the three is the one who pick up, picks up the pieces. And you're going to get better than eight to one on race day. Um, I don't know if I'm like if this is going to stay on my ticket because I don't like this horse that much. It's just the collapse play, right? And so it's like I went back and forth. We're going to leave it on for now um, because I don't think – that the four picks up the race if it collapses. CZ Rocket could, but how be its last race was actually pretty good beating Kid Corleone and was able to, and, and now you're getting, I think it's third off the layoff here as well. Yeah. Um, fourth off the layoff, I'm sorry, but really well, third. because yeah. he lost the rider in that first, so it is third, yeah. So like, I, to me, there's there's some upside here with how be it at five. Like, yeah, we're gonna leave him on. I, I think he could pick it up and you do have like 99 buyer. You've got back-to-back -back at Santa Anita and Del Mar. That was going six and a half. This is going six. But still, this is the horse that, that could could pick up the pieces down the lane. So I'm going to end up one, three, five, seven. I talk myself off and then back on how be it in a matter of two minutes. I went back and forth on him a little bit there. Uh, fashionably fast wins that race last time out. Um, that uh, Kate Corleone was in as well. I mean, fashionably fast is like an 18 time 
dirt stakes winner. I don't know what the hell he was doing in that optional. Nobody wanted to buy him for 80000 at eight years old, I guess. But that that's a very talented horse to beat these guys in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Smith, I saw the staff and the stat in DRF. He and Mark Ladd are six for their last 13 together. That's pretty good. So uh, he's hopping aboard for the first time. You're getting an upgrade over Maldonado, over Cedillo. You know, frankly, all the way back to Pratt, which is the last time this horse won. So uh, I think this would be a great tournament horse. I think uh, I, I don't see him winning I just because I don't see a pace collapse. But you're right. This is the collapse horse. If it falls apart, I mean, you know, Mike Smith's not going to put him into it early. He's going to let the horse just kind of dick around at the back and then give him one wide run, right? I mean, you'd assume so. You probably don't even need to go wide. You're probably saving ground on the turn and then swing it out if you really want to because there's the, it's really going to be him in the back. Maybe not a bubble lot back there with him too, but pretty much him in the back. Um, so, I, again, this is can we get the right trip? Can it set up for him? I, I just I think there's going to be enough pace early that it could collapse back. And if it does, it, to me, it's easy rocket or how be it that, pick, that ends up winning the race. Let's move on. My second leg of the late pick five at San Anita Park on Saturday, October 1st. Race seven is the grade two Eddie D stakes. First of two races we're going to cover going six and a half furlongs down the hillside turf course. Got a nice field of nine older males, including one of Mike Samich's very best friends in the world. Number four, Gregorian Chant, your five to two morning line favorite. Mike, I, I went back and checked. You have picked him in each of his last three races. He didn't win any of those. Does Do you pick him in this one? And then does he get the job done? Today's the day. All right. That I pick him and he gets the job done. Not that he doesn't. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick I'm gonna stick it with it, man. And this time, honestly, like I want like this was this is actually pretty funny when handicapping the race. I didn't realize he was in the sequence until a little behind on the weekend work. So I handicapped this today. Didn't realize he was in the sequence. And when I did, I'm like, oh shit. Matt's just gonna make fun of me if I pick this horse. Like, damn, am I really gonna pick Gregorian Chan, put him on top? And I really tried not to. I tried really hard not to put the four on top here. But the four's kind of logical, isn't it? Like Gregory Chant really fits well here. Like he's five for eleven at Santa Anita. Loves the downhill turf course. I, like the Jiper was loaded. The turf sprint was loaded. He ran well in both those races. Like this is a logical spot with a good pace setup. Should get a nice trip. Likes the course. I just I couldn't help myself. Good jock. Like see, I give me give me the four on top. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Gregorian Chant on top. I'm gonna go three deep, but I, I don't see how you don't use this four horse. Yeah, you and I went three deep here. We agreed on two, and this is one of them. Uh, D'Amato's got two in here, the four and the five, Coltard. Uh, I didn't use Coltard. I don't know if you did. But um, you know, your argument for this horse, uh, Gregorian Chant, in previous races was just, like, look how he goes down the hill. He's looked good this year. You go back to that March race. He looked as good as ever when he won that race going down the hill. So uh, he was fourth beaten by a neck and a half length for second. In this race last year, Lieutenant Dan won it. Lieutenant Dan was a freak of nature turf sprinting in California at that point. So if you scratch out the two times he tried the Jiper, I mean, this horse went to uh, like over Kentucky Derby weekend, went to Churchill Downs and got third. He missed second by a nose in a, in a in the major turf sprint of the weekend. That is really good. I'm not going to make fun of you. I also he's not my topic. He's my second choice, but I did use him. All right. I'll take that. I, I'm happy with that. All right. Let's talk about the eight Dubai key. You hinted that I'm probably using this horse. And guess what? I am using this horse. Uh, another Hector Barrios horse, uh, again, for Amadar Sanchez. So we're hopefully they can go back to back here, go five, uh, eight into the cold double here. I think Dubai Key gets the lead. I was really impressed with Dubai Key was able to get in front of Lieutenant Dan last time out. Um, but that really cost him the race, trying, trying to go that fast, that quickly. I think that this is a good spot where he should be able to be the controlling speed. There will be other speed, but I think he'll be able to get out and control the speed. I want to make sure I have that horse on my ticket because I think it makes a ton of sense if someone trying to go gate to wire here. And we've seen the Santa Anita turf course, especially when there hasn't been a ton of rain. It's rain in Santa Anita, have horses go gate to wire regularly. And so I want who I believe is a controlling speed, and that's the eight Dubai key. 
Uh, this horse was my top pick in the green flash, actually. I love this horse's chances. I was like, oh, he's on the rail. He's a speed horse. He's going to just blitz do like he did last race. He tried. It didn't quite work out. But I think that he's drawn a lot better. Rem uh, if you don't rem uh, know, when they go down the hill and they load in the gate, the one is going to be uh, towards the inside rail. But they have to turn right. So the eight horse is going to have the inside path on that right-hand turn and should have very everybody cleared. And then we'll have the inside path as they make the big wide sweeping turn. I think he's in a perfect spot here. Um, it was three for three in America before the green flash last time out. Uh, always looked good. He's one going longer than five furlongs before. So even though that's all he's done in America, uh, if you look at the breeding, there's nothing that says he shouldn't be able to handle six and a half, especially because what the first furlong, furlong and a half, Mike, it's downhill. So you're just kind of like jogging anyways. You're not really using your full speed. So yeah, I'm with you. We agree on the four, eight. Here's where we're going to split. Who's your uh, who's your third horse? I'm going to go with the nine, Tango, Tango, Tango. It's another favorite of mine, not going to lie. Use this horse a couple times. Um, but I mentioned that there's other speed in this race, and I, I do think that there may be some pace pressure. I do think that, like I said, the eight, Dubai Key is the one to most likely get the lead and control it up front. But you have Goliath, the three, who wants to go. Air Force Red, the two, has some speed. I think the nine horse cutting back here is really interesting. And one of the main reasons, is you look at the last workout from Jack Sisterson, do you see that 45 45 and change for four furlongs. He is trying to put more speed in this horse specifically to set this horse up to serve sprint. He saw that workout. He decided we're good to go. We're going to fire with Tango, 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 who may be one of the classier horses in this field. When you look back at who this horse has faced in the last three races, including Masterpiece, uh, Gold Phoenix, I mean, there's Hong Kong Harry. There's some very, very good turf horses in California. And now you're cutting back to this sprint. The real question mark with Tango, Tango, Tango is that cutback. But at eight to one, I'm willing to ask the question, right? You're getting the right price to say, hey, look, if he can sit behind, sit right behind this speed and that 45 isn't a fluke and he can go on with it, all of a sudden you're getting a great price on a classy horse who should get a great trip. So I'm, I'm going to go four, eight, nine here and kind of have one in each flight. I'll have the leader, that mid-pack horse, hopefully in Tango, 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 and Gregorian Chant charging from the back. Uh, considered it isn't, it's always interesting where Jack Sisterson spots his horses, like the talented ones like this. And you always feel like they're going to have a chance whether it works out or not. Um, I didn't end up using, but you're right. The source has got to won the American Derby after breaking his, uh, or as a maiden, and then almost won the Bruce D at Arlington, which is a grade one. And he's shown a lot of ability here. It'd be interesting if he wins this because he's already won this year, seven and a half going two turns at Gulfstream in a mile and a quarter. So to then also win this race at six and a half furlongs, that'd just be uh, pretty special. You don't really see horses do that. Um, a son of tourist, tourist will never, tourist will forever be an asshole to me because he won the 2016 Breeders' Cup mile and he beat Teppin in their last start. And it's like how a lot of people feel about uh, blame with Zenyatta. I feel a little bit that way about Teppin and, and tourists. I'm like, I see tourists. I'm like, yeah, yeah. tourist. I don't. Alphabet soup and cigar. Another good one. There you go. Uh, last horse for me, actually, my top pick we haven't talked about. Number two, Air Force Red. Source is two for two going down the hillside turf course, uh, including breaking from post two before, including with Victor Espinoza aboard. He's back aboard here. Um, second time out going down the hill, beat a horse named Iridio. Iridio, after that race, went to Del Mar and won the Oceanside Stakes with a 93 buyer. So beat a good horse. Uh, that five furlong sprint where Air Force Red went didn't go well. That was the race Dubai Key won, but had a pretty rough trip. Uh, try stretching out to the Del Mar Mile. I thought actually did a pretty good job considering this horse. You look at how he runs is definitely a one turn horse. You know, I thought he did okay there to hold on and finish fourth. He beat over half the field still to do that. He was ahead away from third. Kath can peak was that horse. Hong Kong Harry and Irdeo in there. So good horses that he was behind. And now we're going to be cutting back Espinosa and Leonard Powell four for nine together at Santa Anita. So when Espinosa rides for the Frenchman, 
things go pretty well. This horse has got a lot of talent, the turf sprinting. I think this is a good spot. I don't think this is a need the lead type, and I could see why some people would think that. If you look at the horse's uh, maiden breaking effort, it was going a flat six and a half at Sandia when the hillside was temporarily shut down, was able to stalk horses from the outside. Breaking from the two posts going down the hill, he is going to have to kind of take that position a little bit. So I think that he he's shown the ability to sit off and take the, uh, still be able to win. But I could also see if you look at his recent form, Mike, the two times going down the hill, he won gate to wire. So if you think that's not how he, and he's not fast enough to leap, I definitely admit that. So uh, I can understand if that's why it would turn you off of him. It was the main knock for me is I, I think I, I think he needs to lead to be most effective. Um, I really I agree with you. He did come from off the pace in the maiden score, um, but that was against Badens. So it, to me, this yeah. is a much very much different field, much different horses you have to pass. Um, and he was never far off it there. Right. And this is this is going to be a big time test for him stepping up here and seeing if he can take on this field. Uh, you know, I know you're just using this one because you love Victor Espinosa. It's fine. You can just say you're a Victor Espinosa fanboy. We can move along. Um, yeah. Look, I, I don't think this horse gets the lead. And that means I don't want to bet the horse. And that that to me is like it, it's just tough because, like I said, it's a tough sequence, too. I went four deep in the first leg. I think Lane's Way could win this race. I think Air Force Red could win this race. I wouldn't be shocked if Colhard win this race, won this race. But I'm not using any of those three horses because I, I feel like I got this race covered with the 489. Yeah, no, you did a great job kind of picking the right ones. Uh, Dr. Tang, I didn't know you're still an owner of Lane Way. Lane Way, the owner of the track record at San Diego going to flat six furlongs. I didn't use him because I feel like he's he always gets over bet. Uh, he's not, he loves to run second a lot of times when in, in wherever he's running. Charles B brought up the seven. What makes Sammy run for Mark Light? Before we move on, did you consider this horse? Because I toyed with adding him for a bit. I thought about it a little bit. You know, you, you texted me the other day and said Joe Bravo is only one of the only people that can win over the turf in California right now. He's picking up the mount here. Eight to one is what kept me off this horse. I mean, did run well against Dubai Key two back. Um, so you can definitely make a case that he kind of fits in that sense. Ran well in the in the Jiper. This is just one of those horses when you look back, okay, where does he won, right? And it's Santa Anita, those two six six furlong races, both around one turn. That was last year with Pratt aboard against flat three-year-olds. Now we're facing three and up. Like, it, there's there's poke holes I can poke in those Santa Anita wins, and the price isn't enough to get me excited. If you're giving me that 25 to 1 in the Jiper here, let's have a different conversation. But the 8 to 1 <laughs> seems a little bit too short for me. Yeah, that's a good point. The The horse to me, I, I've seen enough of his races. He makes his own trouble too often. And in a turf sprint of this kind of a field size, I can't I can't use a horse like that. So uh, it's one that's interesting. Respect Glad, respect the horse. And yeah, like you said, Joe Bravo is uh, one of the top turf riders right now in California. Let's move on. Third leg of the late pick five at Santa Anita on Saturday, October 1st. Race eight, the grade one. Awesome against stakes. Eight males, three and up. Going to mile eighth on the main track to win an year for the Breeders' Cup Classic. This also features the second, third, and fourth place finishers from the Pacific Classic. They're all trying to, well, they're all happy that Flightline's not here, honestly. They're like, oh, good, a grade one. We can try and win without Flightline before we have to face them again. Where are you going on top, buddy? And yeah, don't tell Country Grammar that. He thought he won. He got beat by That's 20 true. and he thought he won when he was coming back. He was so excited about himself. Look, I want to know why you're a hater. You're not using Country Grammar here. How in the world are you not using Country Grammar here? I uh, Two reasons. The price, I think, uh, the, I think he's going to be way too short of a price. He is not a mile and eighth horse. He is a mile and a quarter horse. That horse loves a mile and a quarter, but he has been beaten by some of these at a mile and eighth before. He's shown multiple times he is vulnerable at a mile and an eighth. He's he's more of a grinder, and he needs that mile and a quarter. 
I mean, he ran a one-way buyer going a mile and an eighth over, <laughs> over this track. And he's two for two, four starts, two wins, two seconds going, going a mile. But he didn't win that race, did he, Michael? No, he lost to Royal Ship. I hear you. Oh, that's right. Thank you. By the way, I'm not using. Uh, so that's going to be – that's the interesting part of this. I think Country Grammar is a standout in this spot. I think he's going the best right now of any of these horses. That The Royal Ships of the world, like trading races, lost to Tripoli, lost to Express Trade, lost to all these, these horses in the back class. I also think Royal Ship's better at Del Mar than Santa Anita. I realize it does have that win, specifically the race we were mentioning over Santa Anita with that career-high buyer, but his Del Mar form is more consistent than his Santa Anita form has been, in my mind. So um, mm-hmm. I like the four-country grammar quite a bit on top here. I think he's going to look good here third off the layoff, third off after coming back from overseas, and really in his final prep before he goes to Breeders' Cup Classic. He also probably took the worst of it and dusted everybody in this last start. I thought he was by far the most impressive horse outside of Flightline. Um, in the Pacific Classic, I'm going to stick with with Country Grammar here on top, and I'm only going to go too deep. And Express Train's the other one I'm interested in. I, look, first off the layoff, I'll excuse that Del Mar race. This horse loves Santa Anita. Eleven starts, four mm-hmm. wins, four seconds. All of his career best races are at Santa Anita. If there's a horse for course in this race, it's the seven Express Train. It's why I'm including him in this spot. I think if if anyone steps back up to their best race ever, it's Express Train that I would expect it from. I think Country Grammar can improve, but it's going to be tough to get back to that 108 level that we saw last year. But I think Express Train can get back to that that mid 100s if he really wants to from a buyer's perspective or those those time form numbers he's running in that race. And with that, he is very dangerous in this spot. So I'm just going to go four seven and close the book on this one. We agree on Express Train. That's actually my top pick, and and I don't know if Express Train maybe once has ever been a top pick of mine. I usually try to find a way to beat this horse, but you nailed it, Mike. He is a horse for course to say if there is one in this field. You look what happened the end of 2021 into tw- spring of 2022. Um, even this race last year, you know, he was third beaten pretty handily, but if you remember, that was an extremely deep, tiring, slow track. Top two early were top two late. He was the only one that closed. And from there, he springs that forward into winning three straight, then gets second in the Californian. Something kind of went off with him. He was, it was a little wonky. Uh, I am with you. I'll forgive the Del Mar, uh, the Del Mar effort uh, he just was kind of out there spinning the wheels, but it, he, he, nobody was beating flight line. Right. So whatever, screw that. He comes back to this spot. He's four for 11 at Santa Anita. He's eight for 11 in the exact to here. I, yeah, I had to use him on top. I'm going to use Royal Ship instead of Country Grammar. Royal Ship hates Del Mar. He really does. He's he's had one good race there. It was back in the San Diego. Other than that, he just really doesn't ever seem like he enjoys it. Uh, he ends up finishing third in the Pacific Classic. He was within seven lengths of Country Grammar. Uh, it was just such a weird race. It's hard to figure out what, other than the fact that he just kind of showed up, that's a good sign. Um, he doesn't like 10 furlongs. That was a 10 furlong race. He loves nine furlongs. He doesn't run two good races in a row, but when he runs a clunker, he usually responds with a really strong race. And a lot of times that happens at Santa Anita. So I'm looking for this horse to find some more of that grade two Californian magic and don't do the grade one gold cup, which is when things got reversed, but you know, mountain eighth, mountain a quarter. I'm hoping that's where things go here. Look, you can just say you're, you're the number one fan of Mike Smith too, and move along. I get it. You're just using all the jockeys you love today in these, in these races. I think this is interesting in the chat here. Um, this is kind of feels like a little Chad Brown esque, right? Baffert's got four in here. You feel like one could be setting up the other. I actually took a long look at the one Azul coast really interesting spot for this horse. I mean, this is, this is not your, your run of the mill. Hey, we're going to come back as a five-year-old in a spot and see what happens. Like this is a really aggressive placing for a horse that Bob Baffert was pretty high on early in his career. Um, 20 to one Barrios. Uh, I, there, there's, there's something to like here. I'm the one for me. 
I'm not going to use it, but it's one of those that I, I would consider putting on a ticket if I'm going to try and bomb out here. It is interesting. I didn't realize this horse hasn't been running. He still hasn't run since December. I thought this horse was in a race a couple. Of, you know what it is? He and Defunded are owned by the same guys. And I always think of Defunded and Azul Coast as the same. They win about the same. So that makes sense. Actually, no, Defunded's won twice at Santa Anita. Azul Coast is 0 for 5 here. And why didn't you them? Was that 0 for 5? <laughs> I mean, the horse is 4 for 11 career. So he's 4 for 6 everywhere else which is kind of crazy when you think about it. This horse likes to win everywhere but Santa Anita. That really is what, like, the reason I ended up not putting this horse in here. I'll be interested to see if any of the Baffert scratch here as well. I think that, because you have country grammar, I think you have the best horse in the race. It's interesting to put three others in here, especially, like, the one coming off the layoff. You're really showing a lack of respect for the other California dirt horses here by putting Azul Coast in the spot if you actually think you can cash. How the hell is this horse 0 for 5 of Santa Anita and 4 for 6 anywhere else? I'm just blowing that's, your mind with this little coast. That anywhere else is three tracks. It's Del Mar, Golden Gate, and Los, Los Al. Al, and, and Del Mar's turf, if you want to count that. Well, he that's the one time he finished off the board. Yeah. was the turf. Wow. Yeah, you blew my mind there. Um, By the way, speaking of Baffert's on turf, uh, let's move on to the next race. Penultimate leg of the late pick 5 at Santa Anita on Saturday, October 1st, race 9. We're going back down the hill. It's the ungraded unzip mistakes for 11 three-year-old fillies uh i bring up the baffert because seven grace adler bob baffert trainee grade one winner at two on dirt she's gonna try turf in this spot it's, it's interesting did you use grace adler of course not bob baffert's awful on the turf They're just I, i'm just not a bob baffert turf person oh for 13 first time turf 64 cent roi turf sprints 66 cent roi dirt to turf i just Hard pass. I know he's 21% overall on turf. He does have decent numbers, but this is Bob Baffert. Those aren't Bob Baffert-esque numbers. Those are regular trainer-esque numbers. So when he goes to turf, I usually pass, especially if I think the horse is going to be bet. This is a horse that's going to probably be bet in this spot. I don't think you're going to get five to one. Um, So I I just really don't have much interest in Grace Adler in this spot, especially when I do like a couple prices in here. Um, I think the five makes a ton of sense, Connie Swingle. So I'm not going to go into too much in why I'm using her. I think it's just a really logical use. Let's talk about the eight. Tesere. This is a horse that I used last time in the Delmar Oaks. Finished fourth at forty-three to one. I thought actually ran a very good race in that spot, and I think this horse might actually be better sprinting. I like the cutback for Tesere, who I think will be able to show a decent kick. Has good races at a mile. Note that Ired Ortiz rode this horse twice for Peter Miller last year. Clearly thinks highly of this horse. If that's who's calling to get the mount, uh, to put him put uh, her in a little bit overhead last time. Like I said in the Delmar Oaks, but came back off a monster layoff in a Grade Two, went straight to a Grade One. And now we're here sprinting down the hill. I think Tesere makes a ton of sense at 12 to 1. There's my boy Barrio Sector coming right back at it, baby. So I, I, this horse is one of those where, like, when you have a must-use like this, I mean, this is probably a win bet for me. This is definitely a tournament horse for me. Um, I, I think Tesere makes a lot of sense in a race that's pretty wide open. If Tesere wins, I'm going to be so mad because I was honoring the San Clemente and I was honoring the Del Mar Oaks. And she didn't win either one of them, Mike. She improved a lot in the Del Mar Oaks, though. A lot. She did. The long she did. She... Between the, the, our last race in San Clemente. And she, and she had a shit. I mean, she wasn't winning the San Clemente anyway. She was starting to fade when she had the trip trouble, but she was, she probably would have been probably sixth in that race, you know, not 10th, beating six and a quarter. But um, hey, maybe if, if sprinting is her game, if she ends up getting it done here, more power to her. I just, I'm off of her train. And if this is, this is when it ends up biting me in the ass. I'm going to be very upset about it. Uh, I'm with you. I went the top pick wise, Connie Swingle. It's so, I mean, if you go against her, it's simply because you're trying to take a shot against her at a price. I mean, she's, uh, you know, I had away from being a two time dirt sprint stakes winner in the Calbred ranks at two and then at three. Um, 
she's looked impeccable on the turf. So it's really hard to not use her. Um, the next up for me, I'm actually going with the number two Delmona. Uh, the horse is going to be six to one for Jeff Mullins. <clears throat> uh, starts her uh, career overseas. Uh, is uh, group three placed, uh, misses winning a stakes by a neck, misses the group three by a neck as well. Comes to America at Santa Anita, debuts going down the hillside turf, almost wins, misses by a head. Comes back, same level, same course a month later, gets the job done with Reese Bully and the irons both of those times. We move to the Senorita, Reese Bully's riding for D'Amato. Eh, Senorita doesn't work out, maybe she's not a two-turn horse. We wait. Now we're going to send her to Monmouth Park to a different trainer. We're going to go and tackle the three-year-old turf sprint stakes. Get second, a really nice second at Monmouth. And then we go to Saratoga, Mike, and we get third in that Galloway Stakes, almost winning Empress Tigers in that Poppy Flower. So many strong turf sprinters from the East Coast are in there. And she got third. That was a damn good effort. She comes back here. Reese Billy's back aboard. She's done very well down this course before and six to one. I love it. If I can get six to one, I think that is a great price on this horse. I use this one too. I see this trainer switch as a positive. Uh, Mullins, very good turf sprinting. And you yep. know what you didn't mention? That was the change last race. Oh, I missed it. You're right. The blinkers. They had this the blinkers is a sneaky second-time blinkers angle, too. Because you don't necessarily catch it because of the trainer thing. But this is a horse that could take a step forward second-time blinkers, showed additional speed and focus with the blinkers the first time. I would expect to do the same thing here. I really like the two here, Del Delmina as well, or Delmona as well. Uh, you mentioned the reasons, like the East Coast Spring. That was a very good race that she came out of that last time. Gets her career high buyer, blinkers on. Now we're getting second blinkers, coming back to a better turf spring trainer. All systems go, baby. I like the six to one price as well. The um, Yeah, I completely missed that. And it's interesting, too, that Mullins on the trainer change keeps the blinkers on when he never had them on her before, but because yeah. maybe it worked out last time. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, last one on for me, I went three deep. I did use Grace Adler here. Uh, this is a filly that maybe turf is going to be where she's best because she is not a front runner. She cannot be competing on the dirt in California against the three-year-olds if she doesn't have that early speed. She got that grade one win because she circled everybody. You come to the turf, you can use that um, turn of foot a lot better here. You know, you look at the forces that she faced last time out. She was over seven lengths clear of the rest of the field that she was facing. Uh, she had the horses Midnight Memories and Desert Dawn who were one, two the entire way, and they just merry-go-round themselves, and she had no way of trying to catch them. But she still was miles the best of everyone else in that grade three race. Uh, Bob Baffert, after that, puts her on it. By the way, four days after that race, puts her on the turf at Del Mar before they have to leave Del Mar. He wants to see, can she handle it? I think that that might have been a little bit of a clue to try this race because then after that, 47-4 and four for a furlong. 59 and three. She looks like she came out of that race very strong. The time wasn't impressive, but the fact that he put her on the turf and now enters her here, to me, I don't think it's just him throwing darts. I think this is a time where he actually thinks this might be a turf filly. I think this is a very disappointing move from him. $750,000 daughter of Curlin that he's running graded stakes on the dirt. We're dropping into an 85K listed on the turf. The next step here is $50,000 claimers. That's where this horse is going next after we lose this race. So uh, I'll pass on Grace Adler for that reason. I just, it, this is Philly. She's going to go to the breeding shed. Well, Very maybe. Good. We'll see. But she, has she won enough yet to go to the breeding shed? Anyway. Um, she's a great old winner. Yeah, they're fine. Okay. Still, why why is she in an 85K stakes? Like, if you think she's that good on turf, why is this the spot she lands in? Uh, I just, it's one of those I'll it's let restricted it be to three year olds. It's hard. I know it, there's a lot of questions about it. And it's, I'm also, this was, you know, the last one of the three that made it. I didn't use the last one that's off the ticket for me was the number three, uh, Lexington humor, Jonathan Wong horse, uh, you know, has shown a lot of speed. She's really kind of progressed every time, you know, she went from her maiden win to Santa Anita and ran into Connie Swingle, but the fourth place finisher from that race won next out with a 73 buyer. And she wasn't that far 
off of, uh, um, <clears throat> or she was just a neck away, sorry, from second. So did you consider the three at all? Tough jockey change, man. Going going from Rispoli to Van Dyke and Rispoli going to the two. That 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 hurt. Like that was that was the reason why I didn't really give the three a long look. Uh, the, the horse I did give a long look that's getting some love in the chat here is actually Island of Love here, the nine horse, um, who I was a little interested no in last time out uh, for D'Amato. You get Bravo aboard. I, I think this horse makes a ton of sense if we're going a little bit longer. That was my main thing here. I don't think a mile, a mile might even be a little bit, is probably the bread like right there, but maybe a little bit too short. I, I don't want any part of this horse at six and a half furlongs. That was the, the differentiator to me. Well, I was trying to remember, was Kodiak a sprinter? I'm looking it up right now. Seven, he was a seven, he was a seven furlong horse, the sire Kodiak. I was, cause, yeah, because I was interested in this one because we haven't seen this horse sprint go one turn in america before she just had those two races and they're in italy and you kind of you don't really know what was she facing she was two so were there even any chances for them to go longer but she is interesting i would have liked a better price on her the fact that she was a complete dud in the del mar oaks and you know 13 to 1 um five to one isn't enough of a price i need a little bit more to take her here yeah, and uh, Kodiak, 17% turf sprinting, actually better than turf routing. But this is the only uh, horse out of the mare so far, so I don't have a ton of information from a family perspective. Um, so, I, I mean, look, I, I get why people would like the nine. I, it makes sense. And I, I think the mm -hmm. price should be pretty good. Like, he should get six to one, seven to one, maybe somewhere in that range. Um, and and D'Amato, obviously, in turf in California does pretty well. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be one, of, it wouldn't be one of those spots where I chuck this horse out. Um, Hernandez rode this horse last time out, uh, J.J. Hernandez. It just yeah. it, to me, it was the three in the first leg or the nine here, and I went with the three in the first leg. On that note, great question. Let's bring us back to Grace Adler real quick. You're JJ Hernandez. You've ridden for Phil Tomato. You won a grade three and then grade three, grade two placed. Um, did you lose the mount? No, because I don't think you lost the mount off of that. Did Baffert tell you you have to ride Grace Adler if you want to keep riding my other horses? Like, this is a financial it, decision. In his mind, why did he move to Baffert off of a D'Amato for a turf stakes? I, that's, eh. I, I mean, it's a business decision. If Baffert calls you up and asks you to ride, and maybe you don't know, you probably, he probably didn't think Island of Love was going to this spot either. I mean, we don't know how that's forward, true. you know, because this isn't where you'd expect Island of Love to show up. Um, but if Baffert calls up Hernandez and say, hey, I want you to ride a horse in stakes, you know what your answer is? Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. I mean, about, I mean, he's he never even ridden the horse before. It's just kind of, it's just interesting to me. Because he wants the two-year-old mounts, right? I mean, that's that's what he's looking for. He's yeah, looking yeah. for two-year-old male mounts. And that's that's what Derby he wants. Yeah. And so uh, you, you say yes to him. You don't say yes to D'Amato because D'Amato's not going to put you in the dirt. Or Phil D'Amato. He tries. Guys, he's just, just saying, man. <laughs> He tries, but uh, Phil D'Amato does not have a cave rock that we have seen so far. Mike, we got one more race to cover here. The late pick five, the final leg at San Diego Park on Saturday, October 1st. Race 10. Uh, I think this one is the straight sprint. Yes, we're going to be doing... Yeah, there it is. Flat six furlong sprint. Sorry, down the backstretch. We got an overdrawn field here of 12 two-year-old maiden fillies, plus the also eligible number 13, Kanthara. Uh, if she draws in, she might be interesting. But let's take a look at here, Mike. Who are you going with on top in this final race? I'm going to go with a nine candy caramel on top for Peter Miller. Um, I thought this race, the horses race two back was good. That last race in the juvenile Phillies turf, I thought was excellent as well. Considering we were face, a maiden facing winners. I was really uninspired by a lot of these first time starters. This is a race where I would generally try and find a first time starter, but the combination of the sires and how shitty these trainers are first time out really moved me away from a lot of the horses of the, of the first out effort. So I'm looking at the play, horses that have run before. And to me, the nine has the most impressive 
running pedigree in that sense, where I, I can actually point to races and say, hey, this will be tough to beat in this field if we can run back to it. Peter Miller, turf sprinting, pretty good. I like Vasquez as a turf sprinting rider. I think the nine is the horse to beat in this spot. It's not all that creative, but I, I think it's a, a very likely winner. <laughs> Charles says, got a dart throw one here. I mean, this is an interesting field. Like, like if it's a first or good luck, man. Like, I would, I did the same thing. So you and I, you went too deep. I used both of yours. Um, so we can talk about the, the other horse in a second, but I, I also did the same thing. I tried looking for a first, or I did go with one, but let's talk, might end up being my topic, the number seven, the dance between for Phil D'Amato. Hector Berrios riding this one. Uh, so, Berrios has a day. <laughs> let's get a nice little quad box here for Berrios. Let's hope that we're not jinxing him here, but uh, <laughs> he might, he might call us after this and be like, guys, stop. You yeah. need to kill it. Uh, uh, th listen, the two and the seven exit the same race. Neither of us using the two, which I think is interesting for me. Uh, the seven, I thought had a poor break, but finished very strongly. Whereas the two kind of ran in place most of the time. I think the extra furlong is going to benefit this horse. Adding the blinkers is good. Priced better than the two is right now. Drawn better than the two is, who's buried way down inside. Uh, I think, you know, six to one here. If uh, I like that we're both avoiding the two. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the replay. This was a better horse in the race. I mean, it's when you bring everything into effect, right? The horse just didn't break well. So you don't really know what type of early speed you have here with the seven, the dance between. But the workouts aren't bad. You'd think it's a little bit more speed than what we've seen. I like the add of blinkers. Mm -hmm. D'Amato is 17% when adding blinkers. This horse has generally improved second start. This horse is more, more forwardly placed. It's going to be really difficult coming down the lane. And like you said, the two just kind of kept running. I mean, just didn't really stop, but didn't really go either. And so it felt like that race probably wasn't that good and that the, the, the learning experience the seven got from that first start could help propel him forward here or her forward here for the second start of her career and get her into the winner's circle much more likely than the two. Um, and the last one for me, I did go with the five mystified doll for Mandela. Uh, Umberto Rispoli going to ride. Uh, I looked this up, and you would think Mandela being a solid trainer, Reese one of the top riders out here, they'd have a pretty good rate. They're three for 36 together. They actually don't have that strong of a win rate, but they're 21 for 36 hitting the board, which is almost 60%. So that's good. All three of those wins came on the turf. I think they're three for 27 on turf together. So uh, to me, of all the first-time starters, this was the one that had the most appeal because when was the last time somebody went $350,000 for – an Indiana bread or a, a child of Mizzen Mast who stands for $7,500. Uh, this horse had a three furlong blowout back on the 6th of September was an also eligible that didn't draw into the final weekend of Del Mar. Mandela instead, uh, because we didn't draw in, okay, we're going to reroute for Santa Anita for the turf, the first race, uh, the first uh, weekend there, do a five furlong, nice second best of 31 there. Then we go six furlongs, nice little stamina builder there. Easy for furlongs. This horse is ready, keyed up. I think based off the workout patterns, the connections, the breeding, I think this horse has the best chance of the first-time starters. Your thoughts? Um, horse was my third choice in, so I agree with you on that front. <laughs> well, there um, we go. I, I, I have the one as a possible two. Gary Barber for Peter Miller Hernandez up. I thought that, but I don't love the post draw with the one breaking first That's time. That's why I avoided it. Um, my biggest issue here on the five is we're 8% first time starters and we're 3% first turf. And so maybe this is the next start. It's where we're going to actually see the victory. I, I it's just in a sequence where I'm already pushing the limits of what I want to spend on it. I would have had to cut somewhere else. Didn't really want to do that to try and force the five in here. But I agree with everything that you said from a, Hey, it makes a ton of sense because of what the horse costs. Like if you, if you decide, Hey, I want a single country grammar. This is a horse I would add. I would add the nine in the last race, the five here, single country grammar. There you go. Bing, bang, boom. Got a little more coverage. You hope the country grammar gets home. Um, and this would be one that makes 
logical sense. I mean, I agree with Bill. The works here on, on this fight doll make this horse a must play. He nailed it. And I, I think that your point of how much this horse sold for is the other key factor in why this horse is one that you could you could definitely put on tickets. I mean, like you said, $350,000 son of Miz and Mask, or daughter of Miz and Mask, who stands for $7,500. That's a hell of a multiplier um, for the hammer to drop. So I, I think you can make a case for the five here if you want to. Again, my third horse in, my last horse off in this race, just I, I couldn't fit it for the price. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through San Diego's late pick five that is Saturday, October 1st. If you're watching us on YouTube, thanks so much. Give us a like. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Take a look below. We have our tickets. We'll go through them for our podcast listeners one last time. I'll start. I'll go 267 with 248 with 27 with 257 with 579. Boy, hoping Barrios and the number two have a good day. Uh, that's $81 for me. Mr. Samich, go ahead. Now this this is this episode is brought to you by Barris and the number seven. You have four sevens there as well. I'm gonna go one three five seven with four eight nine with four seven with two five eight with seven nine. That'll cost you seventy two dollars for fifty cents. Lots of Barrios, lots of sevens, lots of twos. Let's get hot, baby. I'm excited about it. Let us know if you're playing, what you think about it. Uh, Mike, did you want to go over football? Or I know you've been dudes you've been dealing. You've got the halftime show. If you want to pass on it, you've got. I'll understand. Well, we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, yeah, it, for me, I, look, Dolphins fan, looking forward to the Dolphins. By the way, this the Magic did make a great point when he sent me the text. We chose this one over Aqueduct because we think this is actually a good sequence to bet. Um, if you have opinions, this is a fun one to play. If you can find a single and spread around a little bit more, great way to attack this sequence as well if you've got a big opinion. So is, this is, in my mind, the better late pick five of the two on Saturday, the major tracks that are going to be running. Um, yeah, football, look, Miami Dolphins, love them, love them, love them. Really happy we were able to beat the Bills. Really shitty spot for them tonight. It's just really tough to think that they're going to be able to play back-to-back massive games, the Miami Heat, and then come back on short rest, travel while this hurricane's going on in their state, be completely focused. Oh, by the way, their quarterback had a concussion, has a bad ankle and a bad back. I know the concussion's whatever, but trust me, you don't wibble wobble like that. I mean, he was stumble bunny out there. When you see that, it kind of gives away what happened there, especially when you're headbanging the turf in the previous play. So a lot of questions with two of their quarterback. Waddle was, was in and out of practice all week. The defense played 93 snaps and 102 heat against their division rival four days ago. That's not good. That's, that's not a positive. That's why you saw this line go from minus two when it opened all the way up to four and a half at one point. Now it's back down to three and a half. I think if you can get the first half at two and a half or less. It's a great play. I think if you can find a three, even if it's a juice three with Cincinnati, I like it. And I would lay the three and a half if I was going to pick a, a specific side in this spot. Uh, I know that our uh, our Giants and Titans bets took a, well, not a step forward, not a step backwards, just a sidestep over the weekend. But we're still uh, feeling pretty good about that. Um Boy, those Eagles, though. I don't know about my the division bet. The division bet's pretty trouble. good. I, we needed to win that game for the division. You got to be you got to be Cooper Rush at home when you want to win that division. So that that one could be in a little trouble if we don't see Jalen Hurts go down at some point. But you never know with that. That's another interesting game to me. That in my mind, I, I made this case yesterday on Dudes Who Bet Daily. I think Jacksonville is the most overrated team in the football market right now, and that's coming from someone who bet them all three weeks. Uh, this game was minus nine preseason. So if you have your power rankings, you have nine point difference between Philadelphia and Jacksonville. Philadelphia has been upgraded four to five points since the season started. Jacksonville has to be like a 10 point increase to get to this number down under a touchdown. It makes no sense that Jacksonville has been upgraded that much when they beat a absolutely depleted Colts team with no wide receivers in Jacksonville, where Indianapolis traditionally struggles, then traveled all the way across the country and faced a crushed Chargers team. We're talking no Bosa. We're talking out their number one and two offensive linemen. We're talking no starting wide receiver, no number three wide receiver. Herbert shouldn't have been playing. Uh, JC Jackson was out for that game. Now you're flying all the way back to Jacksonville. 
Oh, by you're doing. By the way, you're dealing with a distraction. Then you're going to fly to Philadelphia. It's just it's a bad spot for Jacksonville, who is overhyped right now and is getting all this love. And I think they they are legit good. But you can't tell me that they have been two and a half more points more impressive than Philadelphia to start so far, who maybe maybe has been the most impressive team in the NFL. Uh, the week one Detroit game, they fixed those problems. They dominated the second half against Minnesota. They dominated the second half against Washington. And Jacksonville's offensive line really struggled against Washington. If Philly gets up, they are going to bring the heat on Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be a very long day. Uh, I remember the uh, week one. I bet them uh, to lose to uh, to Washington, to the Commanders, and they did. And that was like, yeah. And then thinking, like, listen, if this was you know eight weeks down the line, I think they can do it. But it's still early. So that's a great point, Magic. They lost to the Commanders as three and a half point dogs. The Commanders just got rocked by Philadelphia. Rocked by Philadelphia. That doesn't make any sense. You're telling me there's only a three point difference between Washington and Philadelphia? That's do, what these lines do. do, do, do. I, it's just it's it's it, the, the line. The market is overreacted to, to to Jacksonville. Jacksonville may very well cover, but the market has overreacted to it. This line shouldn't be under seven. <laughs> uh, for more insights on football, make sure you tune in later tonight for the Thursday night football halftime show with this man right here, Mike Samich and Saratoga Slim. At what time? Uh, usually it's around nine forty. Yep. Somewhere right in there. Yeah, give or take. Perfect. But we, we'll go on right when the uh, the first half ends. I'll give you my second half bet. We'll talk a little about the game. Give you my best bet for this weekend, which, by the way, I haven't given out yet. Um, and yeah, a little little teaser there, radio style. Just call me Mike Greenberg from now on. Uh, and then uh, Slim's gonna give out. I'd his never best. do that. No, I just don't. I'd be actually, I'd punch you. Uh, and then Slim's gonna give out his two best props for the weekend as well. So a lot of uh, a lot of bets on the Betta Palooza show at halftime. That will be on Twitter as well. On all three Twitters, my Twitter, Slim's Twitter, and the Racing Dudes as well. So you check us out on Twitter. Check us out right here on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and like this video as well to get it out there as much as possible. And make sure you know whenever we go live uh, on these type of shows. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellard. He is at some of them, 18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Blinkers Off was already out earlier today, so you can check that out. It is a massive weekend. The first of two, three, really, uh, major Breeders' Cup prep weekends. So action at Aqueduct, Belmont at the Big A, Churchill Downs, uh, San Anita Park. I did actually, oops, let me pull this back down for a second because I forgot to show this. Uh, we already have some previews up on the site right now for the awesome again for the ACAC. Uh, the Woodward Stakes is up there. You'll see the John Hedinger, which is on Friday at Aqueduct, but we'll have stuff for uh, Saturday and Sunday as well. So make sure you check that out. And like Mike said, if you haven't yet, subscribe to youtube.com slash racing dudes. Make sure you join us back here every Wednesday through Sunday at, well, every Wednesday through Friday and Sundays at noon Eastern and then at 11 Eastern uh, a.m. Eastern on Saturdays. We're going to get those college football picks in. So we'll see you here for Dudes Who Bet Daily. Until then, I, uh, yes, Mr. Savage. And last Saturday was important. If you showed up and watched that, you went 4-0 and made $1,000 in sports bets and horse racing bets on Saturday. Swept Saturday last week for $930, $940 profit. Damn. <laughs> what was I doing? You, you were not betting that day, huh? I was oh I was recovering, but I just gotten home from my trip. That's why I'm yeah. still recovering from that. Anyways, <laughs> anyways does he this guy tune in? Tune in for that. We'll see you until next time. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racingdudes.com.